0: We are more than um, halfway through Lent, and we continue our Into the Mess sermon series with the story of Jesus healing the daughter of a local synagogue leader. Into the mess of fear and grief and desperation, Jesus went, bringing faith and life with him. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 24 and 35 to 43. Listen now for the word of God. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, meet us here in this scripture. Show us what we need to know. Quiet the distractions within and without. In and through this your holy word shape us into the people you dreamt of at creation. In Jesus name. Amen. So here in the Gospel of Mark, we read about Jesus on a bit of a teaching and healing tour. Right before today's text, Jesus healed the Gerasian demoniac, a man who was tormented, who injured himself, whose community had given up on him. And that was such a dramatic healing that the crowds that were following Jesus had grown larger and larger. It seemed as if Jesus was going to do some more teaching when Jairus, a religious leader from the local synagogue, rushed up to Jesus with an urgent request. He knelt at Jesus' feet, a sign that he recognized the power that Jesus held, and Jesus agreed. And he went with Jairus on the way to the house to heal his daughter. Now right here from the beginning, this story shows us how Jesus cared about people on the margins. In a more overtly patriarchal society, it would have made more sense to the crowd if Jairus had begged for Jesus' help for his only son, but his only daughter? Daughters were sometimes seen as burdens rather than beloved. People would have found that to be less pressing, and we see that later on in the story in the cruel things they say. But Jesus found that task to be just as important as teaching or healing others, Jesus was in the habit of seeing each person he encountered as a beloved child of God. So they were walking along, and the crowd pressed in on Jesus. They seemed to be moving all together, this big crowd, toward Jairus's home. Now, for the sake of time and focus, we skipped a handful of verses in the middle of this passage, but those verses contain a significant encounter that Jesus had with a woman who had been suffering from a bleeding disorder for many years. Now that encounter itself warrants its own sermon and study, but it's important to mention here because in the Gospel of Mark makes a big point of how Jesus stopped to help this woman on the way to Jairus's house. So she, like Jairus, had demonstrated immense faith. She said to herself, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Not maybe, I will. I will be made well. And she was healed in that moment And Jesus, aware that the healing had happened, stopped and asked who had touched him. His disciples, not understanding, reminded him he's in the middle of a crowd. (laughs) Lots of people were touching him. But the healed woman came forward and confessed that it was she who reached out for healing. Jesus offered her words of comfort and care. It was a beautiful interaction. But while they're having this interaction... People came from Dyrus' house with awful news. His daughter had died. And I can't get over how cruel they were about telling him this. The text says, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why trouble the teacher any further? But pay attention to what Jesus did. He didn't even address those people who brought the news. He spoke directly to Jairus. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So they kept going. They arrived at the house, and when Jesus saw the mourners wailing, he asked them, why are you weeping? The girl is not dead. She's just sleeping. And more cruelty ensued. They laughed at him. Laughed. Again. Jesus didn't get distracted or mixed up in their nonsense. He put them out of the house and took the girl's parents and a few disciples to where the child was lying. We can imagine the gentleness with which Jesus took her hand. And then he said, little girl, get up. And then, just like the woman in the crowd, the little girl was made well. And those present were overwhelmed with amazement and joy. We're going to spend some time today viewing this story through the eyes of Jairus. He was desperate for help. Clearly, he loved his daughter, and his world had been turned upside down by her sudden and severe illness. And in that moment, all of his social status, all of his resources could not help him. And if you ever had your world turned upside down due to illness or loss or hardship, you know exactly what that kind of terror feels like. The reality of our limitations, of our smallness, of our powerlessness against circumstances painfully asserts itself. We are confronted with the idols of self-sufficiency and cynicism, and the truth is revealed. We need God, and we need each other. And when we despair that things are too far gone, it's almost impossible to have hope. Now, Jairus, like Zacchaeus last week, didn't care if he looked foolish falling at the feet of a wandering rabbi. He loved his daughter. All other attempts to save her had failed, and he grasped onto one last hope this man he'd heard about that had healed so many others so miraculously. He displayed both his hope and his faith, his trust that this man, this Jesus, could help him. He pleaded with Jesus, and Jesus agreed to help. His prayer was seemingly answered. Now can you imagine what Jairus felt when he saw Jesus stop to speak to the woman in the crowd? Fear, anxiety. Should he say something or be quiet? The woman had been ill for years but wasn't dying. His daughter was about to die at any moment. Couldn't Jesus just wait just a couple more minutes and then loop back with her? We don't have a record of Jairus' words or his body language in this moment, but we can infer from what happened next. Jesus could see the fear and shock on his face, and perhaps he did worry that he was troubling or bothering Jesus. Perhaps Jairus' last hope was gone. But Jesus spoke to Jairus and said, Do not fear, only believe. When we are in crisis, when our souls are weary and we try and lean on self-sufficiency, things get worse fairly quickly. We get to thinking that we are too much of a bother, too much of a burden, that no one would want or even tolerate us and our needs that so painfully expose our weakness. And what's more, that voice is not only internal, Culturally, we hear that all the time. Don't bother so-and-so, they're busy. Or worse, from the person that we hope will help us, yeah, sorry, it's not, it's not a good time right now. Our fear takes over, and it's all we can see or think or feel. But what did Jesus say to Jairus? Do not fear, only believe. In other words, do not be afraid, trust me. And those words seem to reassure Jairus because we read that they continued on to the house to see his daughter. And when Jesus made his fairly absurd claim that the girl wasn't dead but only sleeping, those people laughed at him. And I imagine they thought, how ridiculous. Yeah, this man probably healed people, but no human is more powerful than death, right? Jairus might have been afraid, the mourners might have callously laughed, but Jesus was confident. Jesus had enough faith for him and the girl's parents and all those who doubted. None of it stopped Jesus from doing what he came there to do. And I wonder, how often have you felt a hope about someone or something or yourself that seems absurd? Completely unlikely, but you long for it anyway. Many of us carry around in our heads the callousness showed by those who laughed at Jesus. Perhaps you know what it feels like to inwardly laugh at a hope that you feel. But here's the thing. This story shows us how Jesus did not think that any of these people were burdens or bothersome. Not Jairus' daughter, not her parents, not the woman in the crowd seeking healing. On the contrary, Jesus was tender, gentle. Imagine that. Imagine his smile when both the woman and the crowd and the little girl were clearly made well and whole. They were not a burden. They were not a bother. They were beloved. Even more, this story shows us the lengths to which Jesus will go to heal and bring new life. In the face of absurd, unlikely hope, Jesus both has himself and gives to others a kind of faith, a kind of trust that others find laughable. A sense of faith, a sense of trust, a sense of confidence that's not phased by anything. Not crowds, not fear, not cruelty, not even death. This story is what the love of Christ looks like, that Paul wrote to the Romans, the love that Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what this looks like. No matter how much you cling to a sense of self-sufficiency, no matter how afraid you are, no matter how absurd the hope is, no matter how far gone things seem, Jesus will find his way to you. He is waiting through all of the cruelty and the brokenness to get to you to take your hand and raise you up from whatever death you're experiencing into new life. And so I wonder where in your life you could ask for help. I wonder if whatever in your life feels like too much of a mess, too much of a burden, too much of a bother, if you could pray to sense Jesus' presence alongside you. Can you bring that absurd hope into prayer? Jesus sees your fear, he sees your pain, and he's already beside you, offering new life and peace beyond understanding, but we can pray to sense that, to be made aware of that. And if you're ready for even more of a challenge, you can ask someone else to help you. Can you let a trusted friend or another church member show up for you? This is way harder than it looks. But on the other side of all that vulnerability is relief and love and healing. Now Maybe this story is still a little hard to process. After all, unfortunately, loved ones coming back to life is not really a thing that we experience today, at least not literally. And I think so often this love of God that is so life giving, life-changing that reminds us of how we're not a burden, that we're not a bother, that it shows up in small things, in small acts of love that actually feel pretty big. I want to close with a brief story about a time I experienced this in a really powerful way. The first few weeks after I gave birth to my son in 2019 were particularly intense, as they are for all new parents. Uh, My body was healing, my husband was working retail schedule, the holidays were approaching, feeding the baby was excruciating, I was experiencing some depression and anxiety and caring for the baby and our dogs was constantly overwhelming. Now, a little idiosyncratic thing about me, one of the things that makes me feel less anxious is a freshly vacuumed floor. (laughs) I don't know what it's about, (laughs) but there it is. It just makes me feel a little bit better about life in general. And so there was one day when my husband was at work, and a dear friend, her husband and her daughter, uh, came over, both to meet the baby, but also to do whatever I needed help with. Uh, Their daughter let the dogs out and played with them, which was great, because they had been wanting that. My friend's husband started tidying the kitchen and put away the food that they had brought. I sat down to try and nurse, and I was so deeply aware of my limitations in that moment, the fatigue and the pain not feeling like myself, the overwhelm and the worry. It was was just too much. I needed help. I had asked for help, but in the moment, I got really afraid. I didn't want to be a bother. I didn't want to be a burden. And At that moment, I looked up and I saw my friend begin to vacuum the floor. I was so grateful. (laughs) I was moved to tears. Now, Let's be real. There's a lot of things in this world that move me to tears on a regular basis. But the relief and that sense of being cared for in that moment through that very small and simple act, it was so palpable. It was so real. It was such a small thing, but it was so impactful. Our children did such a good job a couple weeks ago basically summarizing the gospel during the children's sermon, talking about how even though we can't see Jesus now, he's in our hearts. And Jesus is in our hearts, and praying to feel that, to know that, to trust that, those are good prayers to pray. And Jesus also shows up in our lives in tangible ways through the love and actions of other people. You are Jesus' hands and feet in the world. The way that you show up for people Matters. When people show up for you, that is Christ showing up for you. Those things make love visible and tangible. It makes love feel a bit more real. And so when others care for you, when they come and vacuum your floors, when they come and care for you when you're sick or heartbroken or injured, Jesus is showing up for you in and through them. Jesus is showing you that you're not a burden, you're not a bother, you are beloved. What a gift. Amen.